0: Welcome to WMFA, a podcast where writers talk writing. I'm Courtney Ballastier. This is the first WMFA mini-sode. These are mini-episodes that will air in between my conversations with guests, in which I'll talk about issues that we face, which is to say, often, that I face, in my work, in our work, in our creative lives. The topic might be something I've been thinking about, maybe something that's just come up with a guest, but I want it to be something you are thinking about too, so at the end of the episode, I'll tell you how you can get in touch to share your thoughts. I'm going to start with something I'm thinking about a lot lately, and I think something that plagues all of us at one point or another in our careers, maybe to greater or lesser extents, but never really goes away, fear. I feel fear a lot when I sit down to write, most days really when I sit down to write. Uh, a couple years ago, I was at the Appalachian Writers' Workshop, and the poet and farmer Wendell Berry was speaking. and he was talking about how every morning for the first five minutes of every day, you know he gets up and he knows he has to go work in the farm and he hates it. And then, after a few minutes outside, he remembers that he loves it. But every morning, his first response is to hate it. And my reaction to that was complicated, you know, even though he he wasn't talking explicitly about writing, it's obviously metaphorical for writing and And so there is this sense of relief of, you know, hearing someone you admire, someone who you might aspire to be like in some ways, uh, reflecting yourself back to you, you know, that's always very comforting. Um, But I was also just like, fuck, you know, so this never goes away. But I I guess it doesn't, right? I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert has that great anecdote that I think about a lot about letting fear in the car, but not letting it drive or control the radio. Um, You know, I think about that a lot for a lot of reasons. But but so much of what causes that fear for me is a sense of insecurity, you know, so if you're not feeling strong enough to say, I can drive the car, fear is like, you can't drive this car, you know, and then you're kind of at an impasse. So, so that's a tough thing to work around. Um, and I don't know that I have great solutions, you know, I would love to hear your solutions, but one way that I, one thing that I do is to just do something. Um, so you know, I usually try to have a more substantial daily writing practice, but if I'm feeling like that and like I just kind of can't face it, I'll set a timer for 15 minutes or sometimes even just five minutes. Um sometimes even turning on my computer psychologically feels like way too much. So I'll just write in a notebook. Um and then usually that period that Wendell Berry talks about does pass and yeah, I do kind of come alive in it and remember that I love it, even if it is hard. Um, because it it is hard. You know, I, I have a yoga teacher who always says if it feels hard, it's because it's hard. And I think that's really important to remember because I'm always inclined to think that if something is hard, it's because of some deficiency of mine. But, you know, this is a thing, this is a job that requires a lot of vulnerability and discomfort. And that's something I'm thinking about a lot lately right now in all aspects of my life. You know, what we sacrifice to feel comfortable and to not experience discord or discomfort. Um, And art makes you experience all of it. You know, so when I think about it that way, I think that it's really something honorable to be an artist and be called to convey these experiences. Um, But you have to acknowledge that it's a very heavy thing to carry. And sometimes instead of acknowledging that, I'm just afraid of it. Um, I fear that, you know, I fear that I'm not good enough for it, that I'm not up to the task of it. Um, And then it's very easy in those modes, I think, to feel like everybody has it easier or that if it were the right thing for me to be doing, it would be easier. And that's taken me a long time to untangle too. And I think that's part of another big piece of fear for me, which is perfectionism. And perfectionism is so fetishized. You know, it's like how we love to complain about how tired we are or talk about how type A we are. I loved that for a long time to talk about how type A was. And there was this noble idea, like, you know, I don't know what standard you're holding yourself to, but mine is impeccable. But, you know, of course, it doesn't exist. And I've heard people say that forever. Perfection isn't real. But I never really internalized that. You know, I was always just kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm going to go back to making my perfect thing perfect. Um, But all that did was keep me afraid of making something less than perfect, which is obviously what I was going to make anyway. So letting go of that is really hard for me. Um... And, you know, one thing that does help is when I think about it, you know, I never read, I've never read looking for perfection, you know. So, so my path into this work that I love, reading the books that I loved, um, that I love, you know, everything that first connected me to writing, none of it's perfect. You know, when I was in my 20s, um, when I was younger and more secure, more insecure and less mindful of it, which I think those are two distinct things, um, I was really pretentious and judgmental about a lot of stuff. And I would criticize things that I thought were lowbrow or broad or whatever and and when I think about that now and when I'm more honest with myself about what I want to create and how I want to create, I'm forced to acknowledge that making anything is really fucking hard. And it's made me a lot more compassionate toward everything that exists in the world, you know, because it just exists because someone has gone through the same shit that I'm describing and they've decided it was more important to keep doing it. And there's something really beautiful about that. You know, even if I look at the final product and can just say that's not my thing, you know, I don't have to make myself feel better by talking about it like it's some kind of failure. Um, and I think fear is a huge part of why I talked about it that way. You know, it was posturing to cover up this deep sense of this is what I want to be doing and I'm not doing it. Or this is what I want to be doing and I'm afraid I won't do it well. So I haven't tried. You know, I remember being at this reading in Detroit a couple of years ago and the theme of the evening was nakedness. And at one point, the writers who were sharing their work told everybody in the audience to write a secret on a slip of paper anonymously. And then they would read all of these secrets aloud to the room. And you know, I had just started working on the novel kind of in a in a more conscious way when I started the novel. I didn't really know that that's what I was doing and and then, after a while, I realized what was going on and so I was kind of in that phase of it of like okay i I see it and this is and and i'm and I have to commit to this thing now that it exists, and I acknowledge that it exists, and I have to decide whether to keep with it or put it aside and And so the secret that I wrote was that I'm doing something I've always wanted to do, and I'm afraid I'll be terrible at it and so when they got to Vine, they read it. And I just, it was really tremendous. I just heard the entire room exhale. You know, everybody was just that like, oh, of like, yup, been there. And so, but, you know, still I struggle with how to move forward anyway um, with fear. And I wonder sometimes if talking about it gives it more power. I think for a long time I felt that way. Like, it's fine. I'm just going to keep battling it. And, you know, I hate it. And I, I hate it enough it'll go away. Um, But you can't pretend it's not there, you know, because that kind of gives it more power. If you're not accepting the truth of it, you're just kind of locking it in a closet and hoping that eventually you walk by the closet, forget what's inside. But I do think, you know, another big part of the process for me with fear is to get clear on what I'm actually afraid of, which changes day to day. You know, sometimes it's the process. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's the fear that I don't have any ideas or any real creativity to speak of at all. You know, even though I've maybe done it before, there's this feeling of I'm afraid that what I need to do to do this thing that I so desperately want to do is something I don't possess, Um, which is, you know, just just that tiny little thing. Um, And then sometimes, you know, it's the fear about the final product or about how it looks, that it won't be any good, that nobody will like it, that nobody will want it. And that's actually kind of easier for me to deal with because I can say, well, that's ego. Um, and I know that I'm not going to get anything creatively satisfying or not nearly satisfying in the same way out of what happens once the thing exists, you know, which is all kind of more ego, um, usually. And I kind of came to that because of my experience in journalism, which is where I started, you know, but I was kind of collecting all these bylines and just feeling really unfulfilled when all of them would come out, when all of these pieces would come out. and um. Just kind of like I'd eaten a lot of like junk food or something, you know, like you get really excited. It's like you get really excited for like a new movie and then it's like kind of disappointing. It was like it was like that. It was just like there was like nothing there. And and so eventually what made me stop, um, and this is not an indictment of journalism, it's just that, you know, it's an indictment of it was the wrong path for me. But what made me stop is that I realized that all I wanted to do there ultimately was succeed in this kind of really abstract, hollow, very externalized way, you know. I just wanted to put these titles on my bio and then what I, I would have made it or done something well. Um, but I didn't actually care much about how I got there. And the, how you get there is the whole thing, of course. Um, and then I got one of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever gotten from my wonderful, wonderful agent, Monica Woods. Because um, at the time, I also had this nonfiction proposal that that I was interested in. You know, it, it's food and Appalachia. And those are two of my favorite things. And Appalachia is clearly very dear to my, to my writing self, even now in fiction. And but the book project was this idea of I want to write a book now. What can I write a book about? You know, and so we worked on this project for probably a couple of years, off and on, all in. And and you know, it was it was well received. I had some good conversations with editors. Uh, but ultimately, you know, in that first round of trying to sell it to the kind of bigger, you know, the big publishing houses, nobody purchased it um which was disappointing of course but you know monica said we still haven't tried university presses we haven't tried smaller presses like it's not the end of the world you know um and i kind of knew you know of course i you know i knew what that meant that the paychecks would be smaller that it would be much more labor of love it would be much more work for much less you know compensation um and i finally just said to her you know I don't feel like I will do whatever I have to do to make this book exist in the world. And she said, well, but that's how you should feel. You know, she was like, especially for your first book, that's how you should feel. And she was right. That just wasn't my project. Um, And so the fear that I feel now, now that I do care so much, now that I feel like I will do whatever it takes is so much stronger. Um, But it's also kind of better because, you know, when, when I'm not in the grips of it, I can see that it's a fear that I prefer. Because it's not ego, you know. I'm scared because it's big and real, and and you know, art lays your soul bare and makes you stand by it, and that's really fucking hard. And you know, it's the if you think it's hard, it's because it's hard. And and so that is better, you know. I I do see that as some kind of growth, and I think that that you know, if we accept this idea that fear isn't going to go away, then there there maybe maybe it's nice to think that there are more or less kind of noble kinds of fear. Um, But of course, it's still hard to create from a place of fear. Um, So you have to engage with it enough so that you can put it aside. Um, But you can't give it too much time at the mic because, you know, then you won't be able to do anything or the work that you do will be really stiff and constricted. And, um, you know, because fear is constriction and creativity is freedom. This summer, I was uh, studying at the Appalachian Writers Workshop again, and I was uh, studying with this wonderful novelist, Kayla Ray Whitaker. And she talked about how much she loves the first draft process, you know, the exploratory writing and the following the story. Um, And that's really exciting to her. And it's what scares me the most. Um, Which makes sense, I guess, because I think excitement and fear are basically the same sensation along a spectrum. Um, So I've been trying to channel that, the sense of, you know, isn't this cool that I just get to see what's out there? Like, that it is exploratory in this very uh, exuberant kind of way. It can be, you know, it can be. And maybe maybe what helps that is this feeling of a security that you will find something, you know, which is, of course, like I said, one of my big fears that I won't find anything that that I'll go looking in my head for ideas or for story and there won't be anything there. And so I've been thinking about that. And I've also been thinking about the conversation I had last week with Erica Dawson. Um, And she said a thing that I really needed to hear. And that was that before you know, she she has this new book out now, When rap Spoke Straight to God, but that's her third book. And so she said, you know, before, she thought she was a writer who left it all on the page and who was willing to go there and said the things that were uncomfortable and were, you know, hard to hear. Um, but then she started When rap Spoke Straight to God, and she realized that she still hadn't been doing that all the way, that there was still more letting go for her to do. And that really resonated with me, that idea of constant surrender to the process, to the ideas, to the work. And, you know, Erica also talked about writing a lot of that book in bed. So there you go. You know, she acknowledged her fear and soothed it in a way that let her keep writing. Because that's the thing I think ultimately why, why I think about fear so much is that I want to get past it so badly. You know, I want to get to that place of surrender and immersion. Um, I think all the time of that, you know, that advice, your passion is the thing that when you do it, you lose track of time. And I'm always very aware of time, you know, especially during generative writing, I'm aware of how slowly it's going and how hard it is. And and I think a lot of that is a fear of really getting into it. Um, a fear of really immersing myself in the work and the ideas that are in it. And I don't like that. And I want to change that. Um, So I don't know, I guess the first step is maybe acknowledging the fear, thanking it, you know, it's a little woo-woo, but that's the thing, you know, it's an impulse to protect us at some point, it was good, it was, you know, put into practice for good reason. But maybe it's about shifting that mindset and thinking, you know, I know I can go into this creative place and it will not be empty. That it will not be empty and I think that I will be safe there is a big piece of it too. Maybe, maybe a bigger piece of it than I realize, you know, that it's going to bring up a lot, but that's the role of the work. Work on you. Tell me what you think about fear. Uh, Tell me what you're struggling with, what about fear scares you, excites you, how you've learned to engage with it. Give me a shout at WMFA podcast at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail at 347 685 4836. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at CF Ballastier. Let me know what other issues you want to talk about. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and the theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is made in Detroit by Courtney Ballastier, LLC, all rights reserved.